Dude, stuff's getting canceled like crazy, especially in animation. I know. The double-edged sword of Netflix. We'll greenlight your project. Better perform. <laughs> you have two weeks to finish this or else it's canceled. <laughs> okay, here we are again. Here we are. Wow. This is going to be a fun episode, I think. Yeah. Every episode with you is a fun episode, Steve. <laughs> Except for Bones and all. That was rough. <laughs> that was such a good episode. I'm glad you liked it because I felt miserable. I just I felt like it. such a moron. No, but so there's a bunch of things. There's a bunch of things going on. We're going to mention. We're going to blow by a lot blow of by, stuff in this episode. You. Yeah, Blue Bayou. This is our episode number 223. No way we're in the 220s already. Yeah, no, it's true. F. I've put out like 30 episodes in the last four weeks. We're cooking. You're cooking. Someone's cooking. Uh, <laughs> let, him, let him cook. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna. This is our 2022 retrospective episode. We're gonna talk about the year 2022, our favorite films. We're gonna talk about the Grammys, Golden Globes. Golden Globes. <laughs> <laughs> that that just happened last night. You and thought no one cared about the Emmys? <laughs> wait, wait till you hear about the Golden Globes. <laughs> they didn't even broadcast anyway last year. I knew we'd covered the Golden Globes, and it was because we did cover the golden gloves in the 2021 retrospective that we did right so here we are again we're going to talk about stuff first off i saw bros yeah i liked it a lot i liked it a lot for uh what it was and Um, what was it (laughs) it's it's the first rom-com for lgbtqa plus community really surely not the first (laughs) well the first like like Big, I, don't, like, I don't know, like, yeah, big budget. I, it was very promoted, oh, very yeah, marketed. Yeah. And it was written by Billy Eichner. He's a funny guy. He, he And he's the main character in it. I, I don't know, I, I really freaking loved it. And it also changed my perspective on queer relationships, trans relationships, etc., and, and how they operate. And, and No, it changed my perspective, especially around their, their sexuality and how they, they go about satisfying that aspect. Interesting. Yeah, sexuality is something I often ponder, so... True. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, it, it's like, I mean, the way that he presented it was that like, it was kind of like every guy is just out there trying to get some and looking to F and he, he, the whole, his, the whole like arc was, was really, really sweet. It was like, he's never been in love and he doesn't really like believe that people are trustworthy. So he, he's always like very distant from every like, sexual encounter that he has. And that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about is like, I wonder if that's how it is for a lot of gay guys who like like are pretty just distant, not like super inviting and not trusting hmm. to, to uh, toward other people, like being in an emotional relationship. But he finds this guy that he really really loves, and um, they start dating, and and they joke throughout the whole thing that like like it's not like a forever thing in the end. It's like he's promising to date him for six months, like, and everyone's like that is progress for him because oh, wow. he's like such an untrusting person. Yeah. But the other guy, the guy that he falls in love with is really cool, too, because his whole thing is he sees Billy Eichner and he thinks Billy Eichner is like way better than him. And that, that because he's following his dreams and he as a person is not following his passion or dreams. And so he's dealing with that, like a whole like following your passion and, and making an impact on the world kind of arc, which was really, really nice. Anyway, I loved the movie. I'd highly recommend it. But yeah. So that's bros. We also both saw White Noise. 
the new yeah. Noah Baumbach Baumbach film. A little bit Wes Anderson-y, Wes Anderson-y, because he, I forgot that Noah Baumbach wrote the script for uh, Life Aquatic. You know yeah, that? I did not know that, but I would actually say it's more like Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, yeah. It, it, this felt well, like, like punch drunk, not this, like, yeah, a, like, like a punch drunk love not, or, not or like a, um, maybe Magnolia. So this was like an inherent vice kind of Magnolia kind of thing. Like Paul Thomas Anderson. It felt Paul Thomas Anderson to yeah. me in, in, in the sense of like, you don't really know what the heck is going on mm-hmm. and you're just kind of watching everything happen and, and you don't know why it's happening. But things are happening on the screen. It's really meandering. It's it's hard to it's it's hard to follow as like a because it's like the narrative is so loose or it's based in I I would say pretension. But well, e- even the very nature of the dialogue, like down to the way they speak, it is it is uh, like you said, uh, intentionally obtuse. Yeah. But I liked that because it was so sure. weird and like no one talks like that. It was like it was like. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you, you, some people talk that way. It's just very... I think they're both kind of intellectual people. Two characters. Adam Driver and... Uh, Alicia Silverstone? Greta Gerwig. Oh. Oh, was, what am I saying? Yeah, it was Greta. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> I'm high. Yeah. Greta Gerwig is going to put out a banger this year called Barbie. But anyway, interesting film. Thematically, there was so much going on. That's why I liked it, is because there the, it... it Tries to tackle so many things and never really finishes any of those lines. But I, I like that. I don't know. It was like there are a lot of great directors who make films like that where it's just shooting for the stars and it's kind of like kind of an art house project. It was fun. A lot, a lot of little commentary on things like fascism and yeah. variable truths, sensationalizing the news, existential crisis, mm-hmm. mortality, death, all mm-hmm. that jazz. It's one of those movies where everything could be an analogy mm-hmm. or like a metaphor. And so you like a metaphor, a simile. Um, so you never really know if what they're saying or doing is actually happening. But with that being said, um, it was fine. There's also like a couple great little <laughs> horror scenes in there. Yeah, that's true. Like the one where he wakes up in the night yeah. or the giant Fulkin toxic event cloud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's it's very different from what Noah Baumbach's done before. Yeah. Baumbach. Baumbach. Last time we talked about him was like on episode five or six. <laughs> was that Marriage Story? Yeah, Marriage Story. Or seven. Anyway, moving on. Jeremy Renner uh, apparently was helping somebody and got run over by his own snowplow. And it chopped him up. Yeah, really. And he hospitalized them. Poor he guy. He was in critical condition. Yeah. They airlifted him out, and he was, thank God someone was there immediately, or else he probably would straight up, straight up just be dead. Yeah. And the the mayor or someone from his the town where he was in Arizona was like, he's always helping people. He was just helping people. Yeah, he's a great guy. I loved, I, I still really love Hawkeye, apart from the last, like, 20 minutes of it. <laughs> but um, I really liked that show. And I like him as a character. I like him as a person. Yeah. So I hopefully hopefully he gets better soon. I feel like he's accident prone. He broke his arm in that movie Tag. Remember oh that? yeah, or his leg. He broke his leg doing that, like jumping. Yeah, accident prone, Jeremy. It was his leg that got most mangled. I you, think you got to take care of yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, watch out for snowplows. They're no joke. <laughs> uh, and like you were saying earlier, everything's been being canceled lately. 
and especially on Netflix. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think well, yeah. I think Netflix is realizing they don't have all the money in the world because they're no longer the only streaming service. <laughs> but they just canceled eighteen ninety nine, which is something else we haven't talked about. Which is uh, Baran Bo Odar and uh, Yante Frisch's follow up to Dark. Nice job. Uh, eighteen ninety nine. Was uh, it was a cool show? Very ambitious. That's a that's a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> um, it didn't land like it probably could have because of the plot elements. The plot elements being, and this is spoilers for eighteen ninety nine, uh, which is canceled. So maybe you don't care about it at all now. But the plot elements being, it, they're all in a. Simulation. Simulation, or in space, you don't really find out. That honestly, the last couple episodes are my favorite episodes. I think people may have felt differently that mm-hmm. they didn't like the last couple episodes, but they were my favorite parts. Where they're busting out of the sim. Yeah, where where like, like moving behind things are happening, and yeah. it just felt like there's a lot of movement. And then and then I really like the main character. Um, I don't know her name. She's incredible. Yeah, I hope that if. Because I think I think Netflix will probably still continue their partnership with Brian Bodar and Yante Frische, but I I don't think I I just think eighteen ninety nine wasn't a hit, so they'll probably just go back to or do something that's closer resembling Dark. Yeah, Emily Beecham played Moira. Oh right, and she's incredible. Also, the so good the dude older Jonas from Dark was yeah. the other Okay, what's his name? Andreas Peachman, or something of that kind. He's a German actor. I think Emily was English, British. She's from Manchester. She had like this Nicole Kidman quality to her where it was just like commanding the room, but in a soft way. Like she was, was, she was wonderful. Presence. She was lovely, lovely yeah. to look at. All right, moving on. Yeah. We... <laughs> and she was a great actress. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so let's move on to the Golden Globes that just happened last night. Yeah. Gabe... What are the Golden Globes? I actually, I Googled it last night. Wow. And I still don't have an answer. <laughs> it's a, I think it was the Hollywood Foreign Press that, that uh, hands those out. Okay. If, if I'm not incorrect, don't quote me on that. Um, I won't. But they weren't even aired last year because of... Some stuff. I don't know if you would call it accusations, but uh, NBC took a stance on like apparent like racism of the organization i don't know why i don't don't remember it was a year ago but they didn't air last year this year it's back but nobody knew i i found out halfway through the broadcast that it was actually happening yeah and then i caught like a bit of a twitch stream and it just looked like uh, a mess like everyone hated the host Um, who was the host i don't know some dude uh (laughs) some jobber from twitch no no (laughs) No, I, I think he was an actor. It was Dave Batista. If it was the guy from, I, from Twitch, if, if it was the guy I saw the quote from, it was just like some dude they they picked out because he was black, and so they were like, "Are you serious?" I think so. Let's um, talk about the winners because there were some exciting wins. I think because there's a lot of people who have been cast aside from Hollywood made uh, some some remarkable comebacks this last year. Yeah, you know. Despite the quality of the broadcast or the show, I think uh, a lot of these awards given out, I mean, not that we put too much stock into awards, especially after last year's Oscars or (laughs) 
Um, but never again. <laughs> they had some some pretty some pretty good picks, I'd say. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. That's that's a great point though. That it has those were even if it was just Quan and Fraser, two massive comebacks. Honestly. All right, so let's just run through them really quick. Best motion picture for the drama was the Fablemans. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of shocking. Beating out Top Gun, Maverick, Way of Water, Elvis, and Tar. Yes, Best performance by an actress in a motion picture, Kate Blanchett for Tar. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture, Drama, uh, Austin Butler for Elvis. He beat out Brendan Fraser from The Whale, which is shocking to me. Best motion, <laughs> Best motion picture in a musical or comedy, The Banshees of Inisherin, which I guess is a comedy. Black, very black comedy. Yeah, the parameters. It's a comedy where you cut your fingers off. Yeah. Uh, Best performance by an actress in a motion picture uh, was Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Wonderful. Uh, Best performance by an actor in a motion picture, Colin Farrell for Banshees. Wow, that's getting a lot of love. Mm -hmm. Beating out Ray Fiennes from The Menu, Adam Driver, Daniel Craig from Glass Onion, Diego Calva from Babylon. Wow, interesting. (laughs) <laughs> uh, best motion picture for an animated Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio not surprising because that was an amazing film I think the only rival there would have been Puss in Boots oh Marcel the Shell was also on that list best performance by an actress in supporting role on any motion picture was uh, Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role for any motion picture was Kehue Kwan from Everything Ever All at Once he, that's the comeback we were talking about so cool to see him winning something especially because that movie was amazing best director steven spielberg for the fablemans beating out james cameron for avatar way of water yay best screenplay for a motion picture martin mcdonough banshees of inishirin best original score babylon justin herwitz that's sweet best television series house of dragon beat out severance ozark the crown and better call saul wow uh, best actress performance in television series Zendaya from Euphoria. Best performance by an actor in a television series Kevin Costner for Yellowstone. Wow! Beat out Diego Luna from Andor, Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul, Adam Scott for Severance. Bob was robbed. Bob, everyone was robbed. Kevin Costner. Yellowstone must be a b- b- banger. Best television series Abbott Elementary. I heard that's good. I was thinking about checking that out. So best actress in a television series, musical or comedy, it's probably Quinta Brunson or Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary. She beat out Jeanette Ortega for Wednesday and Gene Smart for Hacks, which I heard was amazing. Oh, and she beat out Selena Gomez. We're just naming Disney people. Um, Gene Smart. Best performance by an actor in a television series, musical or comedy, beat out Donald Glover for Atlanta, Bill Hader for Barry, Steve Martin and Martin Short for Only Murders. Jeremy Allen White for The Bear. One. Amazing. Big comedy show, The Bear. <laughs> yeah. they, they put him there so he could win an award. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> uh, The Bear was amazing. Easy. One of my top favorite things from TV from last year. Best television limited series, anthology series, or motion picture? White Lotus. White Best performance by an actress in a limited series, anthology series, motion picture made for the limited? Amanda Seyfried for The Dropout. Uh, Evan Peters won for Dahmer. Jennifer Coolidge won again for The White Lotus. Oh, Paul Walter Hauser won for Blackbird. That's crazy. I watched Blackbird. I think I mentioned that we weren't going to talk about it because it was super dark. Julia Garner won for Ozark. Nice. And then again, Tyler James Williams for Abbott Elementary. 
So it's a little bit of a spread, but... You say score went to Babylon? Yeah. But honestly, I would have liked to see more diversity as far as winnings. Well, RRR won Best Original Song. We, we need to watch that. That was the huge... I know. No, I know. I'm very familiar with it. Did you see it? it? No, it's on Netflix. I, I, I've thought about starting it like 60 times and then I've never done and it. 60 times I decided against it. <laughs> I decided to watch something else. Um, anyway, so that's the Golden Globes. Like mm-hmm. I said, it was cool to see uh, Kihui Kwan win something. and um, He's just a ray of sunshine. He's amazing. When he got up there, everyone's getting emotional, and he was like thanking Spielberg for his first big break, and yeah. I was like, I was crying. It's people like him and Brendan Fraser. I'm like, we need to protect these people at all costs. Yes. You know? And they need to have just never-ending amounts of jobs. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our top 10 films. Top 10 ish. films of the year 2022. Yeah. I have no particular order for this because I don't have a list yet. I've no, not made a list. Well, good thing we're doing this cast now. <laughs> but but you do have a 10. I have, I have from what I've seen, I want to say really quick that there's a lot that I haven't seen yet. Okay? Yeah. We have not seen... So many things. But you've um, probably seen the ones that are going to be in your 10. I don't know. We're still watching stuff to try to catch up for 2022 right now, just so you guys know. We have not seen Armageddon Time, Memoria, Vortex, Vesper, After Sun, Bardo, which is in a lot of people's top 10. I have not seen any of them. We have not seen, what's the one, the, the Conversations with Women or something like that? Women Talking? Yeah, we, we have not seen Women Talking. I have not seen. There's a couple other A24 films that I think were worth checking out. Broke. I'm still waiting on Broker to get a release. That was the uh, the other Korean film that I wanted to check out recently. There's a bunch of streaming stuff that I needed that I wanted to catch. I I haven't seen Decision to Leave, and I didn't Oof. get a, I didn't get a chance to. That's check, in my ten. I didn't get a chance to check out Pleasure yet, which I heard was good. Pleasure. Um, I never saw Bones and All, which is also in people's top ten. So, personally, you saw Bones and all. It's not but, a top 10. <laughs> um, I also haven't seen, yeah, like you just mentioned, RR&R. There's also, like, I haven't seen Emancipation yet. I have not seen The Greatest Beer Run Ever, which I heard was fun. I don't think that'll be in my top 10, but I heard it was good. And then there was also um, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. What's that? It's another film that's supposed to be very good on Apple TV with Dakota Johnson. But anyway, there's a bunch of, there's a, so many movies is my point. A lot of like, the lists you've been sending me are very peculiar. Like the guy who put After Sun at number one. It must be Banger. After Sun. Well, I've, I've heard it's great. I really want to watch it. Everyone that's seen it is like, it's great. So anyway, we plan on getting to these movies, but we haven't seen them. So obviously this, this list is subject to change. I just want to give that caveat before we begin. Yeah. I did want to make a quick note too that I saw some people had worst person in the world in there, and I'm considering that 2021 because that was yeah. when it came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least internationally. Sure. So what do you got for me, Stephen? Oh, I also haven't seen Weird, which I really want to check out still. Oh, the Weird Al biopic. Yeah. Or uh, f- not yeah. biopic. Yes. <laughs> with with liberties taken. Oh, I never saw Thirteen Lives either, the Ron Howard film. Oh yeah. But any, so I'm missing, we're missing so much stuff. Like I, there's so much stuff we haven't seen for all the stuff we do see. There's so much we don't see. I feel pretty good about my top 10 though. Why don't you do yours and I'll do mine. How about you show me yours? I don't have mine. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I could tell you what's not on it. Yeah. It rhymes with (laughs) Schmavatar. I actually have like, there's, there's a couple at the end where I'm, I'm not totally sure, but, but for the most part, I'm pretty happy with my list. 
my top three, easy top three. Everything, everywhere, all at once, of course. Number one film of the year for me. Not for everyone, so I'm not going to argue its supremacy to you know random people on the street, but since this is our podcast and our platform, uh, that film blew me away in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> I mean, its creativity alone was enough to get it into the top 10, and then the emotional gut punch of everything revolving around family and personal identity was just perfect for me as an individual. I teared up. One of probably like only a couple times in, I think, uh, over the year where I teared up in the theater. Right. I think it happened like three times. I'm an emotional person. Anyway, moving on. My other two in my top three, Nope and Tar, for sure. Mm. I loved Tar. I know you didn't like it quite as much as I did. Uh, not even nearly. Yeah. I think Tar is is insane. And not just because Kate Blanchett is a force of nature. She's obviously, but that movie tonally was a masterpiece to me. And then everything from set pieces, not set pieces, but uh, like blocking. Yeah. I love that movie. It, it leans a little bit into the horror of it. And I think Todd Field is a genius for even just a handful of shots in that film. Sure. Uh, and then Nope, big Jordan Peele fan here. I think I would consider Nope to be his greatest movie yet, and he's only done three. And out of those three, most people would only contend with two. <laughs> <laughs> but Nope to me, um, I wouldn't probably call it a masterpiece, but it was fantastic. Both technically, all that if you, technical if you, stuff. Yeah, if you <laughs> if you like camera stuff, look how they if shot like the night scenes. But also, <laughs> sorry, really layered film. I love films that you can pull so many conversations out of, like the whole um, discussion around spectacle. Fantastic. And then also visually, it was just really, really interesting to me from the design of the entity to the aesthetic of the ranch. Sure. just And the, the performances from Daniel Kaluuya yeah. and Kiki Palmer. Just so memorable. I'm going to look back and I'll be like, I, I wish I could go see it in IMAX again and again and again. So anyway, those are my top three, easy top three for me. Uh, the rest of my list, I love these films uh, in no particular order. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, yep. You know, blockbuster of the year, hands down. Yep. The Northman. Yep. Decision to leave, I put in my top ten. I'm a sucker. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows how much I love Korean cinema, even though I haven't seen very much of it. Decision to leave was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I'm still throwing a lot of love on You Won't Be Alone, which was that little like art house picture we saw at the beginning of the year sure. about the witch sure. and the the other witch. <laughs> yeah. That movie still means a lot to me. Okay. And then the last few are still up in the air for me. So this might be like 11, but yeah, I actually adored the menu. So I'm, I'm tentatively keeping that in my top 10 yeah. until we like see a few more films. Mm-hmm. That film... The fact that it was so small and self-contained, but executed so incredibly well. Not just to mention, like, its personal meaning to me as someone who has worked in food service, which is another reason why The Bear was so good for me. Right. It just... Even though I had to force you to watch it. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> um, Triangle of Sadness, obviously. You and me, that was one of our favorite theater experiences, if not our favorite th- theater experience of the year. Would just a, a <laughs> talk about a spectacle things that you don't see all the time on uh, on the big screen uh and some fun commentary in it as well and then lastly 
if I'm throwing out a couple awards for spectacles, since I've already hit a lot of the like the personal emotional moments in other films, yeah, um, it's honestly a toss up for me between at this moment number ten between Babylon, which wouldn't have even been in my top ten had I not seen it a second time because there are so many films this year that dealt with film and cinema from Fablemans and Empire of Light to Babylon and even Nope, you know, had a lot to do with film. But Babylon was, even though it was kind of a mess, uh, it was pretty special the way it landed, I think. And uh, that's why it's tied for me with Avatar The Way of Water, slipping into Gabe's top 10, barely uh, tied with Babylon because... I can't can't believe what I'm hearing. I know. And Steven's going to... I'm rolling in my grave. Steven, this will probably be the greatest disagreement we ever have. It's fucking miserable. The Way of Water is the messiest... Uh, <laughs> story I've ever seen, maybe, for its budget, uh, you know, per inf- for, for inflation. But oh, I, God. <laughs> there, I've never, but for me, seeing The Way of Water in cinema was like <laughs> such an insane spectacle. Like the four, <laughs> the, the quality of the computer graphic of the computer generated imagery is just incredible to me. And even though, I have so many issues with the story and with the dialogue and with just the general uh, intention of like many, many things, many, many of Cameron's intentions behind behind the film and him as an individual. I'm just, I'm a total sucker for it. And it's funny because I'm usually incredibly critical of uh, films that copy their predecessor's beats. You know, like this is one of the reasons why I didn't care for the Star Wars sequel trilogy so much is because of its lack of originality. And The Way of Water is, in many ways, a carbon copy of the previous film. But... Well, we should talk about this on the cast. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm just, you know, yeah. I'm just saying. It is, a, it, is a, it is an experience. And one of my big things, I'm just going to end with this. Uh, when I look for films that I'm going to remember down the road in a positive light, it's like, show me something that I don't get very often. And that's why... Mm. A lot of these films, like everything, everywhere, all at once are in that list because this yeah. is something that is doing something right. at such a high level. Right. And it is, it is. I don't know. Yeah. That's my list. Well, it, Gabe, it's subject to change. That was a pontification. I made my top 10 list while you were talking. There you go. Yeah. Feel free to cut my whole No, that's fi- it's fine. <laughs> um, so here I go. And this is in order. I'm going from 10 to 1. Okay. At number 10. I have not, again, I have not seen everything. This will probably get kicked out, I'm assuming, after I watch everything. The Fablemans, number 10. Good film. The Batman, number 9. Oh, yeah. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. Number 8. Good picks. Triangle of Sadness, number 7. Love it. Uh, Number 6. Nope. Nope. The Northman, number 5. This is spoilers because we haven't recorded this episode yet. Number 4, The Whale. Number three, Babylon. Mm-hmm. Number two is Top Gun Maverick. And number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Nice. And I'm a lot like you. I also look for spectacles. Like, I, I think I could have put Wakanda Forever in there because I feel like that movie showed me some stuff I haven't seen yet in the MCU, which was cool. Uh, I think Avatar <laughs> had so many things wrong with it. <laughs> it's that, true. That it's impossible. I'm not going to argue with I you. I could never put it in a top 10 list because it's an egregious act of terrorism <laughs> mental terrorism yeah emotional damage so but no th- those are our top 10 <laughs> for for now 
I'll, I'll let you know if something kicks it out as we continue to record and watch all the stuff that we're catching up on. Yeah. It's cool how we both had a bunch of different movies in there. Yeah. I think, I mean, the the whale we haven't talked about yet. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I think I mentioned when we recorded that podcast that it was definitely going to be in my top 10. And I do not think that will lose its spot. The ones I'm iffy about are the Fablemans and Batman. Um, I think the Batman was just a fantastic movie. But yeah, I love Fablemans, but I'm like, I just don't know if I can. To me, to me, it was the best out of like the menu, Glass Onion. That's fair. Yeah. Anything else that came out. The Fablemans was like, and it's Spielberg. Like I have to give, I mean, right now he's, he's, it's, it's number 10. <laughs> it's number 10 out of 10. It's not number one. People so. keep saying he's back. Spielberg. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just quoting John Wick. I'm just quoting John Wick. You got a new John Wick out soon. That's true. All right. Well, that's our 2022 retrospective. Uh, here's something right at the end. <laughs> <laughs>